Tim Graham and Friends is brought to you by CTBK, CPAs and business consultants. CTBK is a leading accounting firm with a growing team of accountants and business consultants with roots in Amherst, New York. CTBK pairs every project with a focus on a human connection between its team and the client for assurance, accounting, taxes, litigation support, and advice on mergers and acquisitions, CTBK is available and ready to solve any issue your business faces. For a consultation or to request a quote, call 716-630-2400. Again, that's 716-630-2400. CTBK, over a quarter century of proven accounting and business excellence for Western New York and beyond. Let's talk some Kentucky Derby with one of the most accomplished and decorated horse racing riders in the country. We're joined by Gene Kirshner, who covers horse racing for the Buffalo News. We're usually talking about all the different F's that we have on Tim Graham and Friends. Here is a K. This is Gene Kirshner, the K in CTBK, CPAs and Business Consultants. And he also happens to be a marvelous horse racing journalist, Mean Gene, the handicapping machine. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for having me. We have the 147th Kentucky Derby coming up Saturday. And uh, I always wonder about this every year. So I'm going to give out this information for anybody listening, for the casual horse racing observer who, uh, who turns on the TV on, on Saturday to watch the Kentucky Derby and then wonders four hours later why the race hasn't been run yet. Uh, 2.30 uh, is the NBC broadcast is when that will begin. 2.30 post time, though, 6.57 p.m. So uh, you have plenty of time to get your bets in uh, on Saturday. And hopefully Gene uh, can uh, give you some information that makes you feel comfortable about what you want to do with the 147th Kentucky Derby. Um, Gene, I guess we'll just start with broad strokes. Um, what's your... What's your overview of, of this field? No, let's, let's take it a step back. We're getting back to some normalcy. Uh, last year's race was held uh, Labor Day weekend uh, because of the pandemic and, and everything, the, the volatility of crowds and people getting together for major events. We're back uh, the first Saturday in May. Um, your, your thoughts on, on that? Super stoked that it's back uh, in its normal spot. I mean, it was just a strange experience last uh, last September to be at Churchill Downs with just a handful of owners uh, in the stands and being able to hear the horses and the jockeys as they come by. I was probably sitting in a $5,000 seat, you know, at the finish line, which I won't be on, on uh, tomorrow, uh, uh, Derby on Saturday. So uh, it, it was just... Uh, a weird experience. And as you know, that was run out of order. The triple crown last year, the Belmont was run in June. So it was the second leg. Uh, and typically that's where the Preakness had, uh, runs. And this year, the last year, the Preakness was run in October. Uh, and the last time we chatted horses together, uh, I was in Baltimore and, uh, just, the just the whole, the whole scene was just wild and just hearing the different uh you know owners you know being being right there with the the max players group they were standing right next to me watching the race uh and just the different experience it'll be great to get back to 
some sort of normalcy. There should be 45,000 to 50,000 fans there, um, you know, social distance, distanced and masked up. And, um, you know, it's just getting back to what, you know, we're, we're used to on the first Saturday in May. What are your thoughts on this field in general? How does it look in, in totality? And I will, we'll talk about some specific horses, but just uh, what's the level of uh, excitement or, or interest with this year's, uh, this year's collection compared to recent years? You know, since they've gone to the point system, um, it's a lot easier to get into the race. You just have to come in first and second in one of the 100-point races, which – you know, there's, you know, 16 of those. So it hasn't been, um, I don't know if you're getting as a competitive a field as you used to. Um, this year, I, I think there's probably 10 horses that could maybe win the, win the race. And 10, you, you can pretty much just throw out the window for the most part. Um, so, you know, from that perspective, and the, but the 10 horses that I think are, that can win the race are highly competitive. The problem is that the, you know, some of those horses that maybe aren't as, that are as good or aren't as fast can cause trouble with traffic with 20 horses in a race. So there can be a horse that can, you know, wipe you out at the start and you're done. The race is over. <laughs> you know, if somebody comes across uh, in your lane and, and uh, causes havoc uh, or pushes you to the outside, you know, maybe, maybe one of the better horses and, and you've got a couple of good ones on the outside, highly motivated in the 17 spots, pretty good horse. If, uh, if a horse pushes him out to the outside, he could get caught seven, eight wide coming around that clubhouse turn. And, you know, that's that loss of ground is really hard to make up in a mile and a quarter race. Gene, doing some of my research before this podcast, I came across that Bob Baffert withdrew a horse. A lot of people like uh, Hozier. I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it. Another horse people wanted to see, Dream Shake, has been put in an undercard race. How does that affect the race and who people might want to pick that, that some of these names are not in the race. Yeah. So Baffert's uh, he does have a horse in the race, but it's not your typical uh, blue blood horse. That's, you know, a million dollar horse or $750,000 horse. He's got a horse that um, was purchased as a yearling for a thousand dollars and then purchased by his ownership group by Gary Young by, uh, for $35,000, which is a really cheap purchase. And especially if, if he's got a horse that's in the gate, at the Kentucky Derby, uh, his name is Medina spirit. Um, and he's got Johnny Velasquez, Velasquez aboard, uh, who won last year's Derby with authentic, uh, from the outside gate, um, gate 18, they came out of, um, and, uh, you know, Baffert's always going to take money because he's Baffert, right? He's got, he's got, if he wins on Saturday, he, um, he's, that'll be a record breaking accomplishment. He would be his seventh, uh, which is, you know, unbelievable with, uh, I think he's only had 33 starters in history. So that, you know, that's an incredible percentage rate of win, uh, in a race. That's one of the hardest ones to win, uh, in, in, in the world. Um, but he'll take some money. Um, he, he's a decent horse. You know, he would be probably in, in my uh, in my top 10 there, um, but he's, you know, not out of a, a, a sire that you would uh, you, you would know who he is. Like it's not out of a, out of a curling or an into mischief. Um, the one thing that they can do that that connection is they can win back to back uh, jockey trainer combination for the first time since uh, Lucian, Lucian Lauren and Ron Turcott. And if those names sound familiar to you, that's Reva Ridge and Secretariat. Oh, so it's 
been a long time since uh, a jockey trainer combination has gone back to back in the Derby. But to Jonah's question with uh, Hosier or Hosier, uh, I apologize for not uh, getting the pronunciation Hos right. Hosier. That was a horse that a lot of people were looking at. And is that just because it was a Baffert horse or, but it seemed to not do too well in some of these prep races. Yeah. Just that he didn't, he had the points, but the, you know, his connections decided it wasn't really the right spot for him to run. Um, I think, you know, some of, some of the, some of the uh, ones in the 19th or 20th spot, you know, the, in the, in the standings, those ownership groups want to run in the Derby just to say they ran in the Derby and they probably don't have a real good, you know, reasonable shot to win. So his connections probably did the right thing. Cause you can, you can ruin a horse in the Derby too, uh, by, you know, the traffic trouble, getting hurt, you know, getting, you know, it's just, it's a race you don't see with 20 horses in every day, uh, in America. So, um, you know, their connections probably said, let's just run him on the undercard in a, in a race that, you know, he has a better chance to win and make some money. Do you, well, before we get into uh, some of these individual horses that are uh, in the field, um, should, should the, should the field be shrunk down or should there be a limit put on, on the number of horses that are in the Kentucky Derby? You know, that's, a, that's a really good question. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's history, you know, the last uh, 30 years they've been running with 20 horses and that kind of makes it what the spectacle it is and, and, you know, how hard it is to try to pick a winner uh, in, in this race uh, with 20 horses. And you, and you kind of know what you're getting into uh, when you enter a horse in the Derby, as far as the dangers and the risks of, uh, you know, what, what can happen in, in that type of race. And you, you'll see a lot of those horses, they'll never run a mile and a quarter again. They'll just do it in this race and they'll just go back to, you know, running, you know, mile, mile length races and mile and an eighth races. They won't run that mile and a quarter race ever again. They'll be certain, you know, the upper echelon will move on. We'll try to run the Breeders' Cup Classic and, you know, the big money races, the Pegasus, the uh, Dubai World Cup, you know, those types of races. But, um, you know, that's my take. I mean, could, would it be a better race if they, if they got it down to 14, it'd be more competitive and probably safer and, um, you know, a better every horse that would have a better chance because of you know there's there's less chance of the the wild traffic and the calvary charge that happens uh from the uh when they leave the gate it's uh it seems as though the storyline or the early rooting favorite is uh essential quality who happens to be the favorite at two to one but also the storyline involving uh, Brad Cox as the trainer and could become the first uh, native Louisvillian uh, to win the race. And maybe with Bob Baffert not having his usual traditional uh, type of horse in this race, maybe that opens the door a little bit uh, extra. Um, but 5-0 and as a two-year-old, or I don't know if that's as, as correct or not, but 5-0 and as a career record um but then also i think is it uh, rock your world also is undefeated but anyway i, I don't yeah, know if three, three horses in the field that are undefeated okay um essential quality the favorite then rock the world the second choice and then helium uh, a horse that hasn't run in eight in eight weeks he won the uh i believe the tampa bay derby um but yeah essential quality but essential quality the, was uh, is was considered pretty much unquestionably the best two-year-old and now here racing yep. at, you know pretty much with the uh, to be knocked off the pedestal. Somebody's, somebody's going to have to upset this, this horse. Yes, sir. He's uh, the two to one favorite and he uh, earned that position for sure. He's your two-year-old champion. He uh, won the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Um, 
at, at Keeneland last year, um, came back and won his two races. This year, his only two races as a three-year-old, uh, both in, um, in, in, in nice fashion. Um, he held off highly motivated in the bluegrass at Keeneland in his, in his uh, final prep race. Uh, and it was a, that was a good duel down the stretch and he, and he held him off, which kind of shows you a highly, highly motivated is a good horse to consider. Uh, in addition, it's kind of cool. It's, it's Brad Cox's first Derby, uh, horses. He's got two in the field. The other one's a pretty decent horse too, Mandaloon. Um, and, uh, he, he's a 15 to one shot, but, you know, essential qualities earned the, the favorite role. You know, do you want to bet on a two to one horse in a uh, 20 horse field? Um, you know, I, I probably won't be, I'll be including him on, on my tickets, but you know, am I going to, you know, be picking him to, you know, am I going to be putting a lot of money on him to win? No. I guess that's the danger or, well, maybe that's where horse racing makes its money. Right. Uh, you know, the big bet on the favorite and, but two to one is still, uh, it is no, no guarantee. No guarantee at all. Um, so I, I, I'm kind of favoring rock your world. Um, and I think I'm leaning towards him. Um, he's five to one. He's, uh, he's only run, run one race on the dirt. And that was an imp extremely impressive victory in the Santa Anita Derby. Um, his first two races were on the turf. Um, and I think John Sadler, his trainer, knew all along that uh, he'd give him a shot in the Santa Anita Derby. And he, and he was able to do that because it's a 100-point ra race. So if he came in first or second, he knows he's in the Derby. It's similar to what I you know, mentioned a few minutes ago. Um, the horse is just that looked great. He had a great workout at Santa Anita last Saturday, shipped in, looks like a, you know, a million bucks on the track. Uh, from what I can watch, uh, every every morning Churchill Downs puts on the morning workouts from uh, 7:30 to 7:45. The track is cleared for just Oaks and Derby horses, and um, you know you you can watch and and keep an eye on each each of the horses from afar, uh, which is nice since I'm uh, will be traveling there uh, a couple of days before the race, um, and uh, yeah. I think he looks great, and I'm 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 backing him because I just think he his his he looked the most impressive out of any of the horses winning the last prep race. Is there a um, advantage or maybe a benefit, I guess, maybe not an advantage, but a benefit to being next to essential quality. So essential quality is in the 14th spot. Uh, Rock your world's in the 15th spot. Is there something about pacing or a horse's competitiveness that when you're next to a horse like um, essential quality, that that could give, that that could give uh, the horse that's next to him on either side a little, a little push, maybe. Yeah, it's it's interesting because um, their running styles are just a slight slight different. Uh, your World's more of a presser stalker type. Um, he's going to want to you know be up towards forwardly placed, up towards the lead, um, and you know off off the flanks of the leaders so that he can uh, make his move at the you know around the far turn or at the top of the stretch where essential quality will probably lay back a little bit more. Uh, so I think that also benefits rock your world because he'll, he'll want, he'll probably shoot out to try to gain position right off, off the bat from, from 15. Um, the problem is if you've got a lot of speed, the same type of horse, a speed horse inside of you, that's a problem. Cause then if you're outside of that horse, they can push you out, you know? Um, and when you're going into that first turn, you don't want to be pushed out wide. So yes, there is in certain, in certain cases, you know, and the horses that are, are, are on the inside, they're going to want to, 
you know, either either take back right away or go to, go to lead right away. So if they're not those types of horses where they're a deep closer and they want to take back or they're not a speed horse that can go right to the lead um, and try to, you know, obtain position, especially with 20 horses, you're going to want to get position as well as you can. And if you remember last year, that's what Authentic did from the, the outside post. Uh, he used it to his advantage. Johnny Johnny V put him right out, out in front, gunned it to the, to the start, and then he took him around like a merited ground from there. What's the weather supposed to be like? Is that something that might affect the track or the race? Looks like it's going to be uh, sunny and in, uh, in the 70s, so low 70s. So uh, it looks to be perfect right as of today. So, which is good because we've had wet tracks, so, you know, over the number of years. And it saves me from writing about wet track pedigree and all that kind of stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, your, uh, your approach to previewing the race might change on Thursday, on, you know, Thursday or Friday, uh, based, just based on the weather. That's true. I guess I never it's thought happened, of that. It's happened, it's happened in the past where all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's going to be wet. So I, got, I better get my, uh, you know, my readers something to, to look at. And I've got, uh, I've got a pretty good uh, outline of uh, what to look for uh, in, a, in a wet track horse. And, uh, you know, as a, as a CPA math nerd, you know, I put a spreadsheet together with all the different figures every year. And, uh, you know, I utilize that, you know, based on uh, looking at averages and seeing what the, the, uh, the average uh, winning distance for the sire and the dam sire for each one, you know, and, you know, obviously the far, further, further that is and the longer that is, the better. Uh, that showing that uh, the horse has stamina to, to handle the uh, the ten furlongs. It's uh, it's I guess it's like writing about a Bills playoff game, right? It, well, you know what the weather's going to be like is maybe a, a good day's worth of stories, maybe even a couple. Um, Absolutely. I, I wanted well, to. I was going to oh. say the one thing that we we are going up against the NFL draft this weekend, which we normally don't. It's a little convergence of events that we normally don't see, you know, on Derby weekend, but. Uh, Nobody watches the third day of the NFL draft. People will, be, people will be begging for a distraction uh, when once the fifth round starts. So I don't think we will be over by to... then anyways, right? Yeah, for yeah. the most part. Yeah, by seven. Uh, uh, Gene, I wanted to ask about uh, Hot Rod Charlie, um, winner of the Louisiana Derby and uh, is the fourth favorite at eight to one based on the morning line. Um, going to have a new jockey. Uh, and a trainer, uh, Doug O'Neill, who had a 10-day suspension for a, a medical violation uh, back in March. Um, I don't know. It seems to be a, a team that's uh, that's in a little bit of turmoil. Um, but the horse is eight to one, uh, and in the ninth spot, uh, I don't know. What it, it just seems to be like a, like the. Yeah, I'm trying to come up with a good uh, analogy, but this is the bad boy horse uh, or the, uh, the troubled horse coming in uh, that, that might have a chance know. to win. I don't know if the horse is troubled. I think, right. you know, Doug, <laughs> right. I, th I, think Doug, I think Doug's had his issues in the past, um, you know, and, you know, the one thing about the Derby is they'll all be tested. Um, they're all, you know, separated. Um, so there shouldn't be any hanky panky that's going on. Um, that, that, that that's able to be detected. Um, you know, I've talked to Doug in the past. He's a good guy. Um, you know, he's had some violations. Sometimes that's part of the game. You know, he, he, he's won the Derby twice, um, you know, with uh, I'll have another. Uh, and then um, 
also Nyquist in uh, 2016. His horse, Hot Rod Charlie's a decent horse. I mean, he 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 also has looked like a million bucks since he uh, got here from California. Um, Flavian Pratt will be riding. Uh, he has one Derby win, but that was the the disqualification placed the first uh, aboard Country House, uh, an up and coming jockey. Um, he's uh, I'm trying to see his sire's Oxbow, who won the Preakness, so he's obviously can handle the uh, can handle the distance. Um, Louisiana Derby had you know for, for a change had a pretty decent field. It's got a couple horses in this race. But, you know, Cox's Mandaloons in the race that, uh, you know, who, who won the Rebel, which was the prep race for the Louisiana Derby. And then he just kind of ran a clunker in the last one, but he's looked tremendous on the track. Um, so Hot Rod Charlie's uh, got every every bit of a chance to win and, and would be definitely be a value play at eight to one. Uh, no doubt about it. A couple of um, local beverage favorites uh i don't know I, i'm guessing that, that these are the types of horses that are just going to get a lot of ah, i'll throw a couple of bucks on midnight bourbon uh, i'm here at the kentucky derby uh or a borbonic uh in uh at the 20th spot but um well any uh any wise bits of information on the on the hometown alcohol based named horses uh well, my wife likes Midnight Bourbon. The not, horse? Not, not only the horse, but both the Midnight Bourbon. <laughs> and, uh, so she's betting on, she's already gave me money to, to, to put on, uh, on him. Uh, I like Midnight Bourbon too. I actually put him in my long shot article last weekend in the news. Um, he's by, uh, he's a Steve Asmussen horse uh, by Tisnow, who won the Breeders' Cup Classic twice uh, at the mile and a quarter distance. So uh, really a decent horse. He's the only horse in the three Louisiana preps that showed up for all three and, and really ran good races. The question is, can he win? Um, you know, he showed up, he, he won the LeCompte, which was the first prep race. Um, he was, uh, you know, hit the board uh, in, um, in the Rebel. And then uh, I think he came in second or third in the, uh, in the Louisiana Derby. So um, second in Louisiana Derby. So he, he, he's, he's there. I would be using, I'm going to use him underneath, like in the third and fourth slots in the tries and supers. Um, he's, uh, he, he's got it. Probonic, I'll take any money that you want to bet on him. If you want to, like, he, uh, he's, a, <laughs> he's a deep closer. It's tough. Once you've had about your six mint julep is when you start throwing a couple of bucks on Borbonic. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's going to be a big, big price uh, for sure. Run, you know, coming out of the 20 hole, he's a deep closer. So he'll take back uh, and then try to make a run. But there's not, there's not a lot of pace in the race. If there was, if there was a really hot pace up front, if you saw 22 and 45 uh, in the early fractions, you, you'll, you'll know that's a hot pace, but not really seeing that in the horses that are entered that, uh, that are going to go to the speed. There's the California horses will be out there, but I think it'll be more of a measured honest pace uh, than, um, than a real hot pace. So Bravonic has less of a chance. Can he, can he close late and maybe pick up the fourth spot? Maybe, but um I don't, I don't know. He came out of the clouds to win the Wood Memorial, which um, the, since Fujiachi Pegasus, there hasn't been a winner that's come out of the Wood Memorial out of uh, Aqueduct. So, um, you know, nice name. <laughs> Appropriate. What do you think about it? So many people, you know, the, the public batter picks based on the names and some sort of, you know, connection or horse. 
magic, astrology, or whatever they want to assign to the names. What do you and the handicappers kind of think about that? And do you ever make a pick because you think the name is cool or lucky or anything like that? No, we love it because that means there's dumb money in the pools. <laughs> Uh, is it does, is it like me when I go to uh, you know Premier Group or or Global and buy my wine based on the label? Exactly, exactly. A lot of people play birth dates or their favorite numbers and you know that kind of thing. And you know what? And I've I've done it too. You know, I'll play my wife's birthday. You know, and uh, it, it hit American Pharaoh's ear, so she she did just fine. Uh, but uh, is it a strategy to make money long term? <laughs> mm -mm. Do you have any specific uh, wagers that you'd like to suggest? I know that we've kind of flirted with your, your general thoughts on it, but um, any, uh, or do you, do you generally uh, wait a little longer, a uh, little, yeah, little I'm, closer I'm, to post time? I haven't put you... anything together. There, there's different bets where you can key a horse in each spot, like in a trifecta. So say, say you, you think essential quality is going to hit the board. Um, you could key him in all three spots so that you have, and, and then put him with, say, five other horses. Um, and, and in this race, this is a fun way to do it. And you can throw some long shots in and maybe, uh, you know, a Hot Rod Charlie or Rock Your World. And you can key box um, essential quality with those horses. And for 50 cents, it might cost you only like $18 to do that. And then you have a chance is all, and you start rooting for essential quality to come in first, second, and third, and then two of those other five horses to fall into any of those spots. And you could, you could cash a pretty decent ticket if, uh, if you've got a longer priced horse that hits the board uh, and you've got them in those other five horses. So uh, that's a fun bet. Um, exact the box, you know, you pick a horse that you really like, whether, you know, I'll probably do some exact the boxing with rock your world. Cause I think he's going to come in first or second. So I'll box him with, you know, five or six horses that, and throw in some long shots to, to potentially make some dough that way. How many different tickets do you normally put in? Um, on Derby day, um, you know, I'll allocate a few hundred dollars and uh, put, put, you know, maybe 15 tickets in different stuff. Do you do it all at once or do you find yourself, uh, eh, I'll try this one and I like, keep trickling back to the window. I'll have my main bets where I, where I'm like, I'm going to make one key, you know, that trifecta play. And maybe that's going to be a $125 bet. Right. And I've, I, I've, I've spent really a lot of time on doing that. And then I'll do some action stuff. You know, maybe there's 20 minutes to post and I see a horse kind of going up. That's like, that I like, like say highly motivated. Um, you know, he's a 10 to one and say he drifts up to like 18 to one. Well, that, that, that to me could be an overlay. I'm going to, I'll make a bet on him to win at 18 to one because you know, if, if, if everybody thought he was going to, if the morning line handicapper and, and if I've handicapped him to be, you know, eight to one and it's, it's something higher than that, then I may make an action bet on him to, you know, try to try to get some value. What's betting much, like? Oh, go ahead, Jonah. Well, yeah. I, I'm interested in this. How much does the results of the race and how much money you win or lose affect the mood and tone of your story that you write? <laughs> it's totally separated. I, I will be, I'll be happier if, 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 uh, if I hit it, hit a nice one, you know, uh, but, uh, no, I, I try to, I try to keep that, uh, pretty measured and most of my bets will be in early in the day. So I don't even, I'm not even thinking about them. Uh, I've had times where after I finish my story and I forget about a future bet I made and I'll go into my account and I'm be like, where did this come from? And I made, hit a bet last year that I didn't even remember that I made. So. 
Do you do everything online or what's the process now? I, I haven't been to, uh, I've been to Churchill Downs once in my life and it was probably in the late eighties. I'm sure that the, or no, no, I've, I, I think I was there. I would have been there in the late nineties also, but I'm sure the technology and everything has changed um, regarding <laughs> how you place your bets. And do you have any special access as a journalist to, so that way you don't end up standing in line while you're supposed to be covering the races? Yeah. So I use an ADW, uh, an account deposit wagering account. Um, and, and I use the uh, twin spires, uh, as well as uh, capital OTB. I had a couple accounts in case one of them goes down. I'll have, I have a backup account to, to do it. Cause usually on the big days, you know, they, there can be issues with, uh, with the technology, with the volume that's going on and it makes it easier. So I can just, you know, from my, from my desk, I can, uh, make the wagers. We also do have a, uh, a, a clerk in the um, media room so we can go right up to the window and, and make wagers right in the, uh, in the media room. I don't have to go outside. With the That's public, pretty cool. Which is kind of neat. And uh, I typically like um, superstitiously will make my, um, the, whatever play I put in the news, I'll make an actual real dollar bet with that. And so I have the tickets uh, in case it hits and um, it's just, fun to have and also and also just nostalgically i like to i'll probably buy five or six two dollar win tickets on the horses that could potentially win it to triple crown because you know it's kind of cool to have a all three two dollar win tickets i've got the three from american pharaoh and justify and got those with my story i'll uh you know laminate it up on a on a picture which is kind of cool so things like that i just you know it's superstitious i i do get that kind of stuff and um, I'll make my wife's bet so she 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 knows that I actually made the bets and take pictures of the tickets for. Well, that you take picture you take pictures of the tickets. Is there uh, is there a story where uh, you you pocketed uh, your what you, uh, you you said you made the bet and uh, knows, you knew she knows. wasn't going to win? So no, there's there's no issue there. She knows. <laughs> uh, photographic proof. Um, so when you have your $2 bets in with your display, uh, that's money sitting there in that frame. Absolutely. Six dollars, <laughs> uh, you know, well, well, you know, six dollars worth of bets. And I think American Pharaoh paid seven seventy, and then he didn't pay a whole, you know, maybe he, made, he paid two forty for the other two races. So, you know, he made 40 cents probably for a $2 bet, uh, on the other two. So yeah, I probably got, uh, you know, Few, a few bucks hanging on the wall, but that's okay. The frame, the frame is uh, worth a hell of a lot more than the ten bucks in tickets. Absolutely. So it was, it was nice, you know, having both justifies and American Pharaohs. It, you know, I'm very fortunate. I mean, there were a lot of writers. It was 37 years between Affirmed and American Pharaoh, and I got to see two, and you know, in a three-year span of Triple Crowns, and uh, by far, it was the highlight of my uh, writing careers. Uh, the first one, uh, seeing him, seeing Pharaoh win. Do you have any investment programs at CTBK where I can give you like my life savings and you invent them, bet them on the horses and I can get back a, a large return? You know, as an advisor to Bronstein and Bronstein, <laughs> I, I would advise you not to do that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Gene. Yeah, that's something that uh, you know. Does CTBK get audited uh, by whatever whatever governing body oversees uh, CPAs and, and financial planners to make sure that you have nothing tied to actual just horse racing uh, investments as opposed to 
uh, you know, the stock market. Absolutely. Yeah, we keep it clean at CTBK for sure. <laughs> hey, how about this? Uh, with everything being delayed uh, for tax season, you got the Derby now fall. I mean, usually the Derby is a few weeks after tax season. It's a good way to probably unwind. Um, you, you're, um, this, is, this is busy time for you. What, what's this? Yeah. What's up 30, with this? I still got 30 returns to get out. So um, luckily I have a crack staff back at the office that uh, will be uh, pushing a lot of them through while I'm out. And in the benefits of technology these days, I can, I can look at any file anywhere in the world. So um, won't be an issue. All for right. My, for my clients Good. that are listening. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, uh, thanks for doing this, Gene. Always love talking about the Kentucky Derby. This has been, I don't know, three or four years going back to uh, going back to the radio show. And uh, I, I wish I had a log or a register of your, your recommendations, but at least my feeling is, is that you've done very well for the listeners uh, over the years with your picks. Yeah. Well, hopefully uh, rock your world. will uh, will do it for us this time. And uh your listeners can cash a few tickets. All right, Gene, thanks for doing this. Have fun in Louisville. All right, thanks. Thanks, guys. See you, Jonah. See you, Gene. Tim Graham and Friends is brought to you by CTBK, CPAs and business consultants. CTBK is a leading accounting firm with a growing team of accountants and business consultants with roots in Amherst, New York. CTBK pairs every project with a focus on a human connection between its team and the client for assurance, accounting, taxes, litigation support, and advice on mergers and acquisitions, CTBK is available and ready to solve any issue your business faces. For a consultation or to request a quote, call 716-630-2400. Again, that's 716-630-2400. CTBK, over a quarter century of proven accounting and business excellence for Western New York and beyond.